Welcome to Friars on the Front Podcast. I'm Donovan, and coming via remote, via quarantine, is Roy. I have not tested positive for COVID-19, but somebody in my house has a cough, and so we're taking precautions. <laughs> so you're telling me you're going to die. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's, it's, it's way too serious, but I think you have to have a little bit of levity in this situation because it, it is. I mean, this is unprecedented uh, in all of... Uh, at least of our for our culture. I mean, we had what the the flu epidemic back in the nineteen eighteen. You know, right? And, and and that was just devastating, and that was plague like with the amount of people that got sick and the amount of people that died. Um, I don't think this is that that serious, but it's still serious. People are being infected when they don't know they're infected, so they're continuing to affect people. You know. Um, before they even have symptoms. So um, it is a crazy disease. It is crazy times. And we're here to make it all better, at least right. for about and, an hour. Yeah. And it's, I, I, people seem to think that there's a lot of overreaction going on. But so my in-laws live about a mile away. We see them a couple times a week. Uh, my father-in-law has COPD. My mother-in-law has diabetes. So they're both high-risk people. Yeah. I could be a carrier and not show any symptoms. And I could go over there and make them sick. And it would be very debilitating for them. Yeah. And so it's, I, I think it's important to just be careful, be smart, you know, do what the medical experts are saying, wash your hands, try not to socially interact as much as you usually do. So I'm, I'm on board with that. I mean, yeah. this isn't, this isn't Armageddon. This isn't the end of the world. This isn't going to decimate our population, but still I want to make sure that our loved ones stay with us and uh, don't wind up going down to some illness that you know, could have been prevented. Right. And then just going off and doing whatever the hell we want, because we can, you know, it's my hot body. I can do what I want. We have to think of others before we think of ourselves. Like we finally, finally this morning, I went to the grocery store. I mean, this whole past whole week, who hasn't seen it on Twitter, people fighting over rolls of toilet paper, people, you know, just buying everything in the stores, and all this week, we were just, you know, I had to go to work and I'm just looking at this stuff going, this is just crazy. Um, so did you have to choke somebody out for a roll of toilet paper? No. And it was like, there was, and believe me, there was no toilet paper to be had. Most of the meat section was sold out. Uh, there was a little bit of bacon, some uh, some red meat, uh, some, you know, some chicken breast. But the, you know, the, the meat counter, the, yeah, the butcher store section was closed. Um, there was one guy working in back. Uh, there was no eggs. All the milk that we like is gone. You know, there's plenty, there's milk there, but I mean, the cupboards were certainly bare. And, you know, I think I went during the nice hour because like everyone was like, you know, when the cars were like, Hey, how you doing? And I just kept laughing. Cause it was just, there was nothing. Um, but you bump into someone in your car. Oh, Hey, Oh, sorry. Sorry. You know, it wasn't like mad dash to grab the last jar of applesauce. You know what I mean? It's just, it was fine. So I went there this morning, got some stuff that we, uh, that we needed, and uh, we still have plenty of toilet paper. We're not using, uh, I don't know, rubber sticks <laughs> and whatever. Um, but baseball, it's Armageddon for baseball and all the sports. It is, yeah. And we kind of got an up-close view of it this week. Uh, Angela and I drove out to Phoenix on Wednesday. 
um, along with our friends Mariana and Alan. So the four of us drove out, uh, not planning on going to one of the games Wednesday night, but we made it out in time. We were able to go to the game at Sloan Park, and it turns out that was the wrong game pretty- to go to. It was the wrong game, but it was also pretty much the last game that we're going to see for a couple months now. So think about that. You're like one of the last Padre fans that saw the Padres play before Armageddon, baseball Armageddon. Right. Yeah, so we went to Sloan Park, and as you said, it was the, we picked the wrong game. It was, it was, it was a coin toss, and I yeah. figured McKenzie and Patino were going to be pitching at one or maybe both games that day or the next day. Who knows? It was a split squad game that night. Um, and it turns out that they both pitched in the game in Peoria. We were at Sloan Park because our friends had never been to Sloan Park. It's a beautiful ballpark. I'm I'm all for going and visiting the different locations. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so we didn't get to see Luis. We didn't get to see McKenzie. Uh, we didn't get to see the other guys that played in that game. Franchi was in there. Uh, but we did get to see Josh Naylor. Will Myers made a nice diving catch. Yeah. Juwan Harris. Came in late in the game, stole a base. Robbie Podorsky played some uh, some right field. Um, I mean, so there's there's positives to come out of everything. We spoke with Robbie after the game, by the way. Super duper nice guy. Well, he was injured last at the end of last season, and he missed what the last three weeks to a month. Like, he didn't play a lot. He was injured most of last season. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I don't I don't know the exact nature of his injury, but it was something lower body, and his legs are his money makers because he's, yeah, he's crazy fast. Yeah, so then the next morning we got up, and it had been raining, so we figured that the back lots would be closed, so we pulled into the lot. Yeah, there's the sign, uh, lots closed due to weather. Uh, we found out that the game in Goodyear that day was also canceled because of weather. Um, but then a little while later, so we went to go get coffee, and we're sitting there staring at our phones, and we start seeing all this all this information, You know, Jeff Passan uh, saying that, it sounds like they're probably going to be shutting spring training down and maybe delaying the start of the season. And then they're going to have this conference call and then the conference call happened and yep, spring training's over. Start of the season's delayed at least what they said, at least six weeks, I think at that time. And they and said we two were, weeks, like you're going to miss first two weeks of the season. Yeah. And now they're saying two months from yeah. like two months from today. Yeah. So we were all just kind of, stunned by it we weren't sure what to make of it do we stick around another day or the are the are the practice fields going to be open at least and so we stuck around for a little while and then made the decision later that day to drive back yeah and i was hoping beyond hope that like they would have you know that the backfields would be closed to the public but since we had access that maybe that we would be able to get out there, but they're like, no. And it wouldn't even been stupid for us to even try. Like I, I was hoping against hope to just try to be able to still go to spring training and watch baseball. I mean, right. I, I, you know, I mean, it was almost, I didn't believe it was happening. Although you saw all the other sports just shutting down and uh, gratefully baseball did take um, kind of the, you know, the, the message on the wall with the closing of all the other sports of, of, the basketball season being done, the the college hoop stuff being done, and, and uh, D one all all college sports, um, and we canceled our Airbnb, and we're not going out there, so I get to work the rest of the week. Thank you very little. <laughs> yeah, but that's yeah. Why I, I'm going to a very very slow uh, college dining hall. Yeah, yeah, because is UCSD now all um, online classes? Yeah, this is finals week, and all finals are no in person finals. They're all uh, online. Um, we have spring break, and then when we come back, all classes will be held online. But that means so what? For, what that means for us is 
the first year and second years that live on campus and the, some of the third and fourth years that live on campus, primarily it's freshmen and sophomores, um, they still need somewhere to eat. Like they'll do their classes, but uh, the third years and fourth years that live off campus won't even come on campus. So we're going to be slow. Our, our department's making the appropriate measures with closing down units. Um, we are wiping everything down on the hour. Everything that gets touched, we, we have touched, you know, we have the, the freestyle soda machines. We have pumps for the, you know, for your, for your um, condiments and all that stuff. So it's kind of crazy, but I still have a job. I still have income and, and that's fantastic. But I want to talk about the game because the game that you didn't go to was the game that Mackenzie Gore pitched and Luis Patino pitched. Right. And so uh, what do I have it? Do I don't have it down exactly what happened? But he, so, so Mac came on, it was raining and it was obvious pitchers were starting to lose it. And he came on, I think he walked the first guy. I think he got a, uh, he got a strikeout the next guy. Like he, he got a couple guys on. And I mean, the ball was, it was raining pretty good. The ball was slipping out of his hand. Uh, the control wasn't there. And then he threw, a, which I thought was a pretty good low outside pitch. And the guy just, he hit it pretty good. And it's Jason, at this time, Jason Rosario was playing center field and it got over his head. And for me, I'm thinking maybe uh, if a major league outfielder was there, he could have caught that and it would have averted the runs coming in. But uh, I, I think he just got snake bit with the weather. Uh, and I don't know, with a sophomore debut <laughs> in spring training. Um, so he pitched, I think well, he pitched a lot better than it showed. So the the wind was swirling. That may have affected yeah. uh, Jason. Uh, the the ball was wet, so he wasn't getting the same kind of break, the same kind of action on his pitches. Yeah. Um, I think he even slipped uh, on the mound once or fielding. I I we were watching the game on our phone while we were trying to right. watch the game in person. Uh, but he had a rough outing, and then Luis came on and he had a rough outing too. So that was <clears throat> that was unfortunate to see. But it I, that's probably the only time you're going to see those two guys go back to back. Right. You know and. When when Luis came up, I was like, "Oh, dang! You were at the wrong game, bro. <laughs> You're at the wrong game." And, yeah, and, and, and then Jason Rosario came in and played, and then Tiers Ornelas batted. I mean, all of our all of our favorite Tuka, guys. Tuca played short. It was uh, it was fantastic, and he uh, Tuca actually had a bad throw, uh, but that's okay. It, going back to Mac and 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 Luis, you know, you I was kind of almost okay with him the struggles that they had, like it can't be this easy for everyone. Like it, it, it's going to be easy enough when they get their feet underneath them. But like, I do kind of want to see a little adversity. I, I do want to kind of see him struggle because it shows that there's, you know, it's not that easy to, to pitch, even though they were pitching against double a guys, but to pitch on that stage and to pitch when days you don't have your a stuff or even B stuff. And it's raining like the, um, the things that get in your way from being an optimal level of, of being able to perform, and uh and you know learning from that kind of stuff for sure yeah and like you said there was a pitch that he executed in the right location and a hitter still barreled it up and that's major league hitters are going to do that you don't see that in double a very often right so that was that and then no more baseball (laughs) yeah just no more so so let's go back to let's go back to what's actually going on with major league baseball so right now they have a freeze on all transactions and signing no large deals are getting done. Everything is frozen. And this came out earlier today from uh, Kenny Rosenthal. Effective immediately, MLB is temporarily prohibiting all scouting activity 
both domestic and international. A source tells The Athletic, no tryouts, public or private, no attending of amateur games, showcases, workouts, no in-home or in-person visits or scouting remotely. Now, what I saw soon after this uh, tweet was sent out was that when games do start back up, scouts are going to be able to view the games through, I, I don't know if it's through the, the college's uh, you know online uh, video or there's going to be somewhere where they can watch the games but not be there and kind of get the best angles that they have. Yeah, yeah, I find that interesting. Now, we don't know when the games are going to be starting back up, but this is not just like college. This is also high school and international and everything. So we know that like D1 baseball, they're shut down for the rest of their season. They canceled the College World Series. Um, I saw that JUCO, the what is it, NAIA or the – the lower levels, they've also decided to at least postpone the rest of their season, but there's a chance that they're going to get started up later this year. Um, I saw just today that CIF was trying to make a decision about whether they were going to shut down all of their sports for the remainder of the year. That's the California here local in Southern California. Um, but then international, I mean, down to the Dominican Republic, Venezuela, Panama, where you've got these international, uh, these international academies, they're just kind of hanging out waiting and I, they'll start back up as soon as they get word. I, I don't know how seriously they, they are affected or they're taking this whole, this whole thing in those countries. Well, I talked to a uh, uh, Venezuelan journalist, Antonio, our friend of the podcast, Antonio Mateus, and they're on lockdown They're uh, in the city that he's in was day one of lockdown and gas has been uh, petrol has been uh, shut off. And he's like, if you saw it on Twitter, it's like what very little there was available is now cut off. So my first well, question. You can't, you can't even buy gas. You can't even buy gas in Venezuela right now. Wow. And uh, my first question to him was, are you safe? Are you going to be safe? Are you in danger? And he's like, I'm, we're, I'm fine. Is looting possible? I'm certainly it is. It's a, it's pretty, it was pretty desperate before this stuff happened. And now it's even more desperate. So that could happen, but his personal safety, he's fine. Okay. You know, and it's we're so focused on sports and everybody wants their baseball back. Right. But we we do. It is a public health kind of a thing. So it sucks. It sucks that baseball isn't happening right now. It sucks that we're not going to be able to go to opening day next week. uh, You know, with all the the promise that this season seemed to be to be holding. Uh, But we do need to do the smart thing. And, you know, times. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's. So this, what does this mean? So let's just play a little. We'll just go off script here for a second. What does this mean once the games start back up? Say April, May, June, June-ish, because the guys are going to need time to ramp back up. Uh, they're going to need some kind of spring training period or warm-up period where they can get ready to play the season, or they're going to have to just really triage the whole season for starting pitchers, for the right. bullpen guys, and. Yeah, when this when this whole shutdown started, my assumption was that the guys were going to stay at the spring training locations. The minor leaguers were going to be kept there. They, you know, they get to keep working out and doing their their normal thing. It's just they're isolated from the public. But instead, they're sending everybody home. I, I guess there's the option of staying at the spring training location for the major league players. Yeah. But pretty much everybody's packing up and going home. So. I mean, now the major league guys, they've got facilities, they've got people, 
that they can go to and, you know, continue to train and whatever. Uh, but a lot of the minor league guys are facing some pretty dire situations right now. Yeah. So let's talk about that for a minute. So just recently in the past few weeks, uh, I've been reached out to, I'm sure you have be reached out to now and everyone's starting to learn about adopt a minor league player. That's adopt a minor league player on Twitter. Yeah. What an amazing, what amazing timing for this, this, this account and this movement to start up. So when he, when I first heard about it, someone sent it to me uh, via the Friars on the Farm app, and he's like, hey, this is what I'm doing. You know, give me a bunch of minor leaguers that uh, I could contact. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute. I need, you know, I know we're online, and you can be a, you know, a short-haired trucker from Pacoima and, and not know anything, but I need to know a little bit more about what you're doing. And he, he explained, and I saw the Todd Van Steensel, uh tweet, and he explained a little bit about himself. Uh, via the DMs, and it's proven legit, and it's proven to absolutely take off on fire. I mean, I, I it's fun watching him go, okay, where are my Braves people at? Boom, you know, and then Brave fans come up, and they're starting to, you know, starting to sponsor Brave fan, uh, Brave players, and it's just, it's really fun to watch. It's been a fantastic way for for us to help you know, to, to donate. I mean, so many times in these national crises, you know, we're sending money to the Red Cross. We're sending money to, to local charities, which I'm sure a lot of San Diego and a lot of these, a lot of the world are doing that. But for the ones that, you know, we care about kind of most are the minor league guys, are the guys that are going to like lost in the cracks because they are truly in between a rock and a hard place. Not, right. Not getting a paycheck and not having any money. Um he just, well, but then they can't go out and get a job right. because they need to be able to turn the switch back on as soon as baseball says, OK, let's go. They can't file for unemployment because they're under contract, so they're not eligible for unemployment. And they really are in a bind. And some of these guys have been you know, sleeping on couches throughout the winter waiting for the time when they get to finally, you know, when they're in the complex – the team puts them up and they've got meals available to them. But now they pretty much said, okay, everybody go home. Here's your plane ticket. And some of these guys don't really have a home to go to. And we'd like to think that you know, most of the, at least the domestic players, they come from families that have, that have a fair amount of means that they can support somebody. You know, they still, there's still a bedroom for you. Right. right. Uh, and a lot of guys sign with sizable bonuses so they can, can fall back on that. But a lot of the guys sign for a thousand, five thousand, ten thousand dollars $10,000. So what you go out, you buy a car so you can drive from a to B and then there's your bonus and the rest of it. Now you're going paycheck to paycheck. Oh, and by the way, we only pay you a part-time wage for three or four months out of the season. Absolutely. So, so now they're in a situation they're uh, without any warning, without any idea that this was coming. Now, boom, you're not getting a paycheck and you just kind of have to wait. And oh, but by the way, while you're waiting, you also have to eat and train like a like a world class athlete because we expect you to be ready to go in a month or two. <laughs> it is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, even in the best circumstances of the offseason season. The story is these guys are still having to have part-time jobs. Now it's like they probably won't be able to get a job because of the limited amount of time they'll be there. And Emily Walden, I don't know if you listened to Ben and Woods this morning, but Emily Emily Walden has been has been reaching out to players and looking for and finding a part-time potential part-time employment for some of these guys all over all over America 
from yeah, from, I saw that this morning. Florida she was to like, Texas to Ohio. Yeah, um, I love this grass, uh, this grassroots community that is doing this for these guys. And I also, it's kind of sad that there has to be this grassroots um, effort to get these guys jobs, to get these guys a little bit of scratch, to the care packages. I mean, dude, people are sending them gift cards to like Olive Garden and, uh, well, maybe not, you know what I mean? It, it just to, to kind of make, just kind of get through the day. Um, but you think about it, like a $30 gift card to Chipotle, that's, that's a bunch of meals for these guys. Yeah. Absolutely. That's a ton of meals. Uh, but to have to not, you know, but have to do that and not have your employer where you're still under contract for uh, not step up and have something or at least say, hey, we're working on it. Hey, we're trying to do something about it. And I'm sure they're still trying to maybe figure that out because there's also the stadium people that, you know, that work at the stadiums that work at all the spring training complexes. There's tons of people that aren't being paid that are usually getting paid and dependent on that money. So, I mean, it's far-reaching, but once again, it's only money. It Well, it, it's only money, but when people are living paycheck to paycheck, that really is a hardship. Yeah. And so you see that, like, the service industry right now, you know, the, the restaurants are shutting down, so they'll only do takeout meals. So, you know, a lot of their extra employees, now they're being asked, you know, stay home, or you're going from 40 hours a week to 10 hours a week. I'm sorry. Yeah. And, and so within baseball – the the plight of the minor leaguers is real and i'm glad that there are people out there that are that are helping uh, but you also have all of the the hospitality staff and the hotel industry that's supported by people traveling like this you, the food service the janitorial staff the groundskeepers and there's there's dozens if not hundreds of people that are supported by every minor league team not you know uh, uh, as well as the thousands that work at a major league baseball stadium that are now hurting quite yeah. a bit yeah we're a so, and we're a convention city i was talking to someone uh this week and they have a friend that works down at the marriott downtown next to the hyatt and they're checking in like 40 people for a you know for like 2000 rooms instead of having you know at least three people at the front desk there's one um, mm-hmm. They have all these bellhop guys that they usually have just for a regular day. There's one, so we're a service industry. We're a service industry city. Your old workplace, the Hyatt Grand Manchester, shut down one of the towers. Yeah, I, that wouldn't be surprising. And so there's your your wait. You're not only your wait staff, but your you know your housekeeping and all the people that go along with making sure that building runs are now out of jobs, or at least are you know at least they can maybe perhaps collect unemployment, but the minority guys can't. Right. So Todd Van Steensel tweeted something out just recently, actually at 441, so a half an hour ago. Um, the Rays are the 29th most valuable MLB team, according to Forbes, but they are also the first team to commit to paying their minor leaguers, even just a little bit. It's not their full salary, but it's something. So the Rays have announced that every minor leaguer will be getting $800 to help with expenses during the spring training shutdown. So I'm glad That's, to see that at yeah. least one team is making the right move. I hope that several others follow suit very quickly. And I'm sure they will. We just got to give them time to do it and and not jump down their throats because they haven't done it yet because there is, a lot, I'm sure, a lot of moving parts involved. Um, so let's give them a few days to take care of that. And if they don't, then we can just jump all over them. 
But meanwhile- right. So, <laughs> so last last night, I just I decided to start reaching out to the guys that we've spoken to in the past. I started texting a bunch of people, the guys whose numbers I had in my phone, yeah. um, just offering out, "Hey, do you know anybody who who needs help?" I'm, we're not personally rich, but we know people that are in a situation to to be able to help out. And I actually got a response. Uh, one of the guys that we spoke to in the past, he said that he knows somebody uh, in a different organization. Um, he said he's got 200 bucks to his name and he's not sure what he's going to do next. And so that's I was able to get him in touch with Emily Walden. Uh, I don't know what's going to going to happen from that. Um but there are people out there that are really in, really in a tough spot, and it it thinks. It takes. And so yeah, it, what, it does. What so, I'm thinking, this is the kind of thing that can drive somebody that last step into retirement. You know, if they're like, "Well, I'll go ahead and tough it out through one more season," and then this happens, they go, "Well, forget it. I'll go get a job at McDonald's." Right, um, and that's and that's out of desperation. So what we've done, uh, Roy, is we've. With the new designs of the the tub and the uh, Hawaiian K out uh, shirt sales that we opened up for um, for their respective families, we have made a tiny little sum of um, a profit. Actually, all the profit that does come from that is going to go towards a few sponsored minor league players for the Padres. So we have reached out to a couple players that do need those uh, that sponsorships, and we have. Um, we have secured them uh, a, a little bit of money to get them through the month. Uh, we're going to continue to do that throughout the month. And then the money that normally would be going to the Lake Elsinore Booster Club, we'll take care of that later. Like, we will make sure they get their cut. But the money that we have could be used right away in a much more unnecess- necessary situation. So we do. We've, we've done a couple players. Um, and I sent them some money under our name, under Friars on the Farm. And we're going to do the best we can with what we have for as long as we can. Now, that happened through the Adopt an MILB player program, right? That, that happened through that. And I also reached out through, to, uh, to Emily as well. And she had a player and Adopt uh, a minor league player. had another Padre player. So we have two guys uh, that we've helped out. One was, uh, you know, very, they're both very grateful. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, one guy was explaining that he just his story was like, oh, my God, you are truly stuck in between a rock and a hard place and um they're both uh gonna be okay tonight at least for tonight and maybe the next few weeks they're they'll be okay but um it's serious like the major league teams are gonna have to step up not just the Braves, but other ones but we have done our part to the best of our ability and if you guys are listening to this which will be put out what today is monday this will be out on tuesday if you hear this, go on Twitter, find adopt a minor league player, reach out to players that you may know or follow, and say, "Hey, do you guys do use anything you need? Fifty bucks, twenty bucks, a gift card, anything you can send these guys." I mean, it it, it makes a huge difference. It makes a huge difference. Or reach out through us, and and we know the people to to get you in touch with. Yeah. Um. You know, however however you want to handle it, please. If there's anything that anybody out there can do to help. Um, we are more than happy to to help make that happen. But, you know, and this thing has, it has affected Major League Baseball. Like a, a Yan- the Yankees minor leaguer had tested positive for right. COVID-19. And uh, they quarantined all the minor league players. And that is just, in, it's insane how, it's funny because they were, this isn't funny, but it's ironic how the Yankees were like, we're the first team that they kind of um, released a statement saying we're going to stay in our minor league 
park and we're going to continue to work at our minor league complex. And that was when they had the choice to do that. Um, and then as the situation quickly and is vastly just, you know, crumbling by the hour, um, one of the guys showed up, tested positive. So um, I think that's what really spurred Major League Baseball to say, all right, send everyone home. Well, and you don't really think much about it, but you've got a whole bunch of people in a in a small area using the same locker room, using the same bathrooms. They're all eating in the same kitchen. They're all using the same weightlifting equipment. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, you know, one guy sneezes, doesn't wash his hands, touches a doorknob, and then a dozen more guys touch that same doorknob. And they all might be healthy, but they're all now carriers of, of the germ. And they can spread it to everybody that they come in contact yeah. with. What I found also interesting, uh, moving on to the NCAA, is since all these sports have just effectively ended their seasons, that they're allowing the spring sports seniors another year of eligibility. That's huge. I, Kevin Acey, we're going to speak to him in a little bit, um, he shared uh, a story that is, there was a college team that the announcement came and all the guys were there. And they, a bunch of them started crying because they thought this was going to be it. This is yeah. the last. They're not never going to get to play baseball again. And maybe what hopes that they had to play at the next level um, are dashed because the season ended short. Maybe they're, you know, you think of a guy that's just coming into their coming into form and I'm right. going to show everybody this spring what I can do. And now that's gone. And how many of those guys, um, we had several of those guys that were drafted. They call them latecomers that just kind of show up on their senior years or their junior years where they have these bomb years and they get on the, they get on the board. Um, yeah. That's, it, it is fantastic. Um, well, you look at somebody like Steven Wilson, that he was a, like a sixth year senior, right? He had to, to, um, he had to appeal for an ex, an added year yeah. of eligibility. Yeah, he was a graduate student. Yeah. And he, the coach talked him into coming back for one more year. He was ready to hang him up. And then he came back for that one year and just absolutely crushed it as a reliever and has a he's on the the verge of a major league yeah. career right now. He easily could be the shuttle guy this year once the season starts. Did you read today's uh Jeff uh Jeff Sanders article? I did not. Tell me all about it. He was it's pretty much basically what you just said with um with the uh, other guys from the A's. So Steve Wilson was the was a primary uh focus of this article. Also the um the the guys in the A system that was doing DoorDash like earlier this week to make money, they talked they talked about him and, they, and Jeff talked about the situation that these guys are in. And once again, we're going to go back to the whole situation of these guys have nowhere to return to. Um, and gratefully, some of them have good families that are going to be able to house them, you know, put them up in the house. But like you said before, what about the player that does have, a, you know, a, a single mom or, or a single dad, you know, that has other kids in the home and their one son that, you know, was chasing his dream has to come back home. Now there's another mouth to feed. Now there's another, uh, you know, there's just another hardship. And it, it's uh, it, it's definitely serious and definitely kind of weird. Yeah, this has been a very serious, very weird podcast. It, it, it has. Um, you guys, but hang out. We're going to talk to Kevin Acey here in just a minute. Um, we have more to come, so stay tuned. People are talking, talking about people. I hear the whisper. Well, we're here with San Diego Union Tribune beat writer Kevin Acey. Kevin, 
freshly back from Arizona. How you doing? Yeah, it's uh, it's you know what? I'll be honest. It's it's nice to be back, though it feels very weird, and I am not happy. Just like a whole bunch of people aren't that we won't be watching baseball for a long time. It's um, it, it really is surreal. Well, let's talk about sports for a second. Who won the cornhole game? You tweeted that picture. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, red, and then I was bored, so I stopped. But uh, red, was, I mean, it was a blowout too. I didn't. I, I feel like blue couldn't even have recovered. So, uh, was that your? Was that was that was the last day at your rental place out in Arizona? Was it? Yeah, I guess that was Saturday. Yes, right. and at that time, it wasn't until Saturday night when I got a call that said, "Look, it's it, it's over." Uh, at that time, I I thought maybe I'd stay at least until Monday um, because I. I I knew that the season wasn't starting on April 9th and I, I figured that it was going to be something like middle of May or, or later. And I wanted to get out and, and get some guys maybe on Monday. And, and I figured they'd start leaving and you know, by, by Sunday, they were mostly out of there. And so I just decided to come home. Go ahead. Um, go ahead, Roy. So what's the current situation in Arizona? Who's left there? Is anybody sticking around? Yeah, there are some players that are sticking around, but they're, you know, they may or may not work out. And I don't know, uh, you know, if they did today or, but from my understanding, uh, a lot of guys have left and, and the ones that are there probably won't be there long. You know, there are guys that live there who probably will go into the complex to work out. Um, I don't know if some other guys will just stay till the end of their, you know, the lease on whatever, you know, the place they had for the six weeks. They'll be running out on whatever Sunday or Monday. Uh, and they'll then come to San Diego or what's going to happen. But when we're talking about, we're talking about well over a month before these guys get back together. And we can be talking about that long until baseball really knows for sure what it's going to do um, because we don't know, look at how quickly everything is, is evolving here. Uh, that That's really sort of like the most crazy thing that's going on here is, is that we don't know and we don't know what's around the bend uh, and there, everything is on the table as far as what could happen and what couldn't happen. So what kind of options were the, were the major league players and the minor league players given? Well, minor league players could stick around if they needed rehab. Uh, otherwise it was, uh, it was time to go. The team was, uh, I, you know, I believe I'm, I'm fairly certain that they're obligated to help them uh, get home because your, your, uh, travel to and from camp is, is covered. And then the major leaguers and the Padres had decided that anyone that was left. So even the, you know, whatever it was, I think 11 guys, not on the 40 man roster who were in major league camp, were going to be treated like major leaguers uh, as if they, you know, everyone was equal that was in major league camp. Uh, I'm not sure now that they've decided to leave, you know, Mackenzie Gore is a minor leaguer again. Um, but he, I believe he had the option to, to stick around as, as long as, uh, as he wanted. Um, but then I'm not sure what happens on, say, you know, after Sunday or April 9th. Uh, you know, these are all things that are actually still being worked out. Sure. It's a very fluid situation. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. No one in baseball has obviously been through anything like it. I mean, been shortened season. There have been things that, you know, maybe they could, uh, you know, control to some extent, work stoppages, that sort of thing. But this is you know, basically out of the hands of baseball uh, in terms of like, when will it start? So what they're first trying to figure out is, you know, okay, so what are the rules? Uh, how are we going to pay these guys, you know, players? Uh, you know, I know that there, there's a whole bunch of people that we need to keep in mind from minor leaguers to part-time workers at stadiums, to full-time employees of, you know, uh, teams, um, 
but major leaguers haven't been paid since last year. And so whatever their bills are, you know, everyone's got bills, right. it's a, you know, maybe it's a much bigger mortgage than you and I have. Maybe it's for a nicer car than I have. Um, but it's, you know, everybody's got bills and everybody was expecting to get paid here at the start of the season. And, and that's not going to happen. So that's really the first thing they're trying to work out is um, taking care of that. And then kind of get to some things about, you know, service time and, and gosh, you know, prorated contracts. And, you know, keep in mind, the owners are looking at this going, I'm losing a million to a million and a half every home game that I lose. Yeah. And I know that no one's you know really inclined to feel sorry for owners, but, you know, they got bills to pay too. Sponsorships are going to be cut, TV deals. Um, I guess they all vary, but, you know, uh, you know, the Padres, for instance, they'll take a hit uh, on sponsorship, on TV deal, uh, certainly on, on, you know, game day revenue. Um, and then they got to figure out, uh, you know, when they're going to play. And that's when they'll get to. All right. What's the schedule look like? So, do you know, so, go ahead. We're, we're a minor league podcast for the most part. And so we're fairly plugged into um, you know, the, the, the business of running a minor league organization uh, and specifically the challenges that a lot of the minor leaguers face. Um, were you hearing any conversations about the Padres um, having any, you know, what they could do to, to address what some of the guys are facing? No, they are having those conversations. I don't know that they have any solutions right now. And I don't know. So I don't know if there are any solutions. I do know that they had, what was it? 150 or more guys that they would basically have to take care of and they needed to get home and they want to stay in shape. So, <laughs> um, you know, I'm positive that they will try to help them. Now, how much money will that be? I, right. If any, that I don't know. Right. I know that all across baseball teams are trying to figure that out. Was it you read earlier, Roy, that the Tampa Bay Devil Rays have have offered to pay each minor leaguer eight hundred dollars? Um, I don't know if that's a month, but at least a, at least a flat amount of eight hundred dollars for now. So I could see the Padres and other major league teams kind of falling in line to something in that kind of respect of, of being able to relieve some of the hardship for these guys. Because, yes, everyone needs to pay bills, um, but minor leaguers, that they don't have as big a bills as, uh, as major leaguers. Oh. But uh, half a million dollars a year does afford you a lot of, uh, of flexibility, I think, in some of uh, – you know, you some, would, of, uh, some of your bills. You, you would hope. You would, you would hope. <laughs> so as last week went along, it was it was a whole range of emotions. What was kind of the general attitude among the players and the staff as all of this was evolving? Well, it depends on when where we were going to go back to. If we go back even a week ago, uh, it was kind of like, well, you know, yeah, we're aware of this. We've been told to be careful. They weren't being careful. I mean, like, you know, and no one – a lot of players weren't uh, on, on a lot of teams. Uh, they were told to not sign autographs or, you know, find some alternate route. And they did to some extent, you know, they signed balls beforehand and gave them out. Plenty of guys were still signing autographs and interacting with fans. It's very hard for them to say no in those situations. They right. know what the fans want. The fans came out. Uh, spring is the best time to do all that. Uh, and so it was much like, I think a lot of society kind of, all right, well, maybe. And, and then it got real, real quick. Uh, yeah. Media was, uh, you know, uh, not allowed in the clubhouse. And I've lost track of my days now, but I think that was Wednesday and Thursday for us. So that ha that came down Monday. Um, and then the Potters were off Tuesday. And still there, I mean, players were joking about it and, and really still offering their hands to shake. And, um, you know, 
we all knew that that was like, I didn't have any problem with that measure except for it. It seemed like, well, you guys should probably be consistent about a lot of things. Um, and you know, if one player gets it, well, the rest of them are going to get it. And so it just seems like it was to me and to a lot of people, it was inevitable that this was going to happen. And then boom, in the middle of their game against, uh, well, some of them were at the, uh, the Cubs, but they were playing the Mariners on Wednesday night and the NBA, uh, made the decision to suspend the season and yeah. the players found out about it during the game. And it was like, boom, they knew right then. I think all of us did, but the players knew then. All right, well, our season's going to get delayed. Uh, as soon as it was delayed, people started talking about how two weeks that's, there's no way, right. Uh, the NBA had already said they were going to be done for at least a month. And so the Padres decided they were going to stick around and, but always it was for now. Like every one of yeah. them that was in camp was staying there, but they, the back of their minds, especially guys with families, they knew they couldn't do it for long. And so if the season was going to be delayed longer than two weeks, then they were going to probably leave. And that came down like 48 hours later, guys were gone. Yeah, it's a, it is truly a fluid situation. But let's go back to that game against the Mariners real quick, because Roy did arrive that night and ended up going to Sloan Park and watching the Cubs play the pods. Uh, which we say he went to the wrong game because that game was the game that, uh, you know, Mackenzie Gore and Luis Patino both pitched, which I watched from home with bated breath and, uh, you know, anticipation. What was, you know, it was raining. Obviously it was raining. The ball was wet. There was a lot of conditions uh, in in that game that didn't really work well for Mackenzie Gore <laughs> and the, the Padres in general the manager, you know, Jace Tuner is obviously going to take that into account. But what was the feeling after that start? Um, what did you hear about his uh, his performance, and what do you know about that? Well, one thing that um, that, that Jace didn't mention was that uh, McKenzie got squeezed. I mean, the strike zone was extremely small. He yeah. could have been out of that inning. Now, that you know, I'm not making an excuse for him saying, all right, so, you know, I'm going to add to that the things that Jace Tingler talked about and that were real and that you mentioned, the rain, um, and it, the inning kind of got away from him. He was finding too much of the strike zone, but his pitches looked pretty darn good. Yeah. So it happened. It was spring. It happened to Garrett Cole. It happened to Chris Paddock, uh, in, you know, in the previous couple days. Uh, it, you know, he actually, I think they were actually pleased that Mackenzie Gore ran into some trouble and it was in some tough situations. And then the same with Luis Patino. He ended up getting, uh, you know, uh, what he got out of the inning, I believe. Maybe, yeah, he got out of the inning and then the next inning got in some trouble and, and his runs were allowed to score. Um, but uh, I thought that Patino looked a lot slower, a lot more in command. Yeah. I don't remember talking to anybody about it. Uh, at that point, I, I got to tell you, I went and talked to Jace afterward. I can't remember talking to anybody else because by that point we knew spring training was over. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's, it's great seeing those guys finally get their feet wet and you're correct. I, I always, you know, we watched what I watched three starts in Lake Elsinore and all the other ones on the MILB TV app. And one game I saw McKenzie Gora problems. Everything else was just like a hot knife through butter. And, but you get up on the stage and you see a little bit of like he has to work. He doesn't have his A stuff and it's raining and he's against, you know, solid, not major league players because it was pretty late in the game. But, you know, guys that are, you know, are going to give him a little bit better at bats than he's normally uh, used to seeing. So it was kind of nice to see a little bit of adversity and in, in how he reacted because there are going to be days when he doesn't have his A stuff and he pitches on B stuff. I think it was Philip Wellman that said uh, the game that he did pitch, 
he had his B stuff and he still only gave up like a run. And Wellman's like, oh, that's his B stuff. And what stuff. I know about him, and I think that everybody has uh, that follows uh, knows about him, is that that's the kind of thing that he will learn from that, you know, like all the, the good ones do, uh, no one has anything to say about Mackenzie Gore other than that he's the kind of guy who goes, man, that really bothers me, and, and here's what happened, and, and he'll, he'll figure it out. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember I talked to him about it in the Cali League, and I'm like, he had three walks in 61 innings. He's like, well, that's three walks too many. <laughs> and you, I didn't really have anything to say after that, but because I was like, oh, yeah, you don't. Um. So let's go into more some of the position battles because having a short kind of sample size, you know, we have the outfield position unsettled, uh, obviously with Will Myers' contract and uh, Tommy Famine left. Uh, you know, who's going to be that fourth outfielder? Who was going to play second base? Just when, um, you know, Jurex and Profar seemed to get his throwing in order, uh, they went and got um, – God, I love that second baseman too. Brian Dozier. Thank you, Brian Dozier. <laughs> I'll tell you what, here's an interesting thing to think about. We're talking about almost two months, okay, best case scenario, almost two months before they reconvene. And then they're going to take 10 days, maybe, maybe two weeks. What are they going to learn in those 10 days or two weeks? Like, it's going to be really interesting how they decide on the final roster, right? Now, of course, rosters are going to be expanded. So uh, now is that going to be 28 guys? Is that going to be uh, 29, 30? Is it going to be three pitchers, one extra position player? You already have an extra position player. Um, so, you know, it's going to be really interesting. Uh, I wanted to get that out of the way since we're going to be talking, we're talking about something now, who, which will have been, by the time the season starts, best case scenario, two months in the past. It was fascinating what was going to happen at second base. Uh, I believe very strongly, and this is, you know, when I say something that uh, like this, it's because it's, it's like an educated uh, guess because I've talked to people about it. Um, I believe very strongly Brian Dozier was brought in to make the team. He was brought in. That was uh-huh. his job. Uh, being a, a roster spot, the guy who would face uh, play second base, at least against left-handers, that was Brian Dozier's job. And then uh, Greg Garcia would face uh, right-handers, which he's so good at. Um, that doesn't mean Jordan Profile wasn't going to be there, but, you know, uh, having his troubles throwing the ball uh, has not, you know, been fantastic. Uh, certainly last year, I mean, his best year uh, was 2018 offensively, and was that really something you're going to pay $6 million for when second base is the position where you're going to try to sort of get away with given you know what we see a million and, and dozier two um and you know really actually guys who know how to play the game and, and get on base uh that seemed like a pretty good deal there now you've got the extra position spot, uh, roster spot i don't know that it was going to be a third catcher so jerkson profile made a lot of sense to also be on the team um so uh, it was really going to be fascinating and now i think that uh, i don't know Maybe all three of them will make it, depending on the roster size. Uh, you know, the outfield, Josh Naylor had not had a good spring, but then again, Jace Tingler loves him. The Padres love him. He's probably got one of the better swings on the team. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he I think it may be the last game or two since he'd been hurt. He actually looked pretty good at the plate, but that was a game or two. Uh, I don't know what to say when he comes back, but Francie Cordero was getting hot and had shown uh, all the things that they wanted him to show, uh, the, the plate discipline. And you know, the only thing that needs to come back is Francie needs to marry that plate discipline with that incredible power he has. Yeah. Um, but, 
you know, still a guy with, because of the injuries, relatively, uh, uh, you know, little experience. Um, so I think jo- at this point, Josh Naylor was like the odd man out. Uh, but maybe not. Uh, they could have, because I don't think that, I think that Almonte and Lagaris had obviously cooled down. I think they would love to have Lagaris as a defensive replacement. He was really by far their best defensive uh, outfielder. Yeah. So, you know, there's a lot up in the air. And now we're going to have to wait and see what roster sizes are. So you mentioned a third catcher. And earlier in the spring, it was reported that Ty France. Uh, had been seen doing some drills. Uh, we interviewed him last winter, and he'd been working on it last winter as well. Do you think that there was any intent in 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 preparing him as the emergency catcher? Yes, and that was you know I'm really glad you brought it up because while I don't know that it was likely, I was remiss to not mention that Ty France was there. There were times that I could have made, been made to believe that the versatility, basically everywhere but shortstop, uh, in the infield, including also you know, catcher first. Third, this guy could play there and you know he puts together good at bats and absolutely i, I could see ty france uh, making the team because of that versatility and the fact that he puts together quality at bats so when you've got a catcher one catcher whose bat doesn't really hold up and another catcher whose defense is a little bit questionable having a competent emergency catcher affords you a ton of flexibility i i was excited to see what came of that yeah, you know what? Because once you obviously substitute at that position, then you are really setting yourself up if you don't have a, a actual emergency third catcher. Not like, oh, hey, we'll throw Will Myers in there or something. You're, it, would, it would really give you something. And I'm telling you, I know I keep banging on this extra roster, but if you're going to try to, and everybody involved wants to fit as many games as you possibly can into the short window, right? Right. They're going to be playing a lot of games. We're talking about seven games a week, doubleheaders, right? They're going to need not only extra pitchers, like a six-man rotation and that sort of thing, but they're guys can't play eight games a week. Guys can't play seven games a week for very long. So they're going to need a lot of players. So that- Do you think they would really compress the, the schedule like that? Well, not to get 162 in, but if you're talking about not starting until, say, June 1st, and you still want to play 140? I mean, how many? What's one thing they're considering? What's the minimum number of games you can play? Yeah. And like I said, these players and owners are going to lose money every game they lose. So, would they possibly, in an emergency kind of style, open up the rosters to 28 like they would at the end of September for the first time this year? Or would they keep it at 26? Um, oh, they won't keep it at 26. I'd say 28 will be the minimum, depending on wow. when it is they start and how many games they're going to play. Wow. So, so it's, you know, it's really going to favor. You know, one thing is a deep bullpen like the Padres, not only deep, but um, with guys that can go, you know, they have multiple guys who can go multiple innings. Um, suddenly you're not wondering about Cal Quantrill and Joey Lucchese because they're both in the rotation. Um, it's really going to be a, a little bit of fly by the seat of the pants. And, you know, you might have some teams that are really able to take advantage of it that might be better suited uh, for that. Now, I don't think it changes anything with, like, the Dodgers. I think they could, you know, beat you in a, a 12-game uh, you know, season or a 140-game or 162-game season. Uh, they got, you know, depth everywhere. But I, I, I honestly believe – that if that's how it plays out, and that's what I'm led to believe, is you know they're gonna try and get as many games as they can in, and of course the union is going to have the players' health in mind, but the union is also going to have the players' money in mind, um, and and you're going to need extra players, and so when it comes down to that, you're talking about depth. 
and you're not going to want to play Tatis every day and, you know, or at least for every day for three weeks. Right. Um, so now I'm not saying they're not going to have off days. I'm saying they're going to be playing a lot of games. Well, but the other thing that this could actually play into the Padres favor is you've got three guys that are on Tommy John rehab schedules that might be a little bit limited this year. So if it's only going to be 130, 150 games, you might be able to completely take the reins off of Richards, Lamette, and Paddock. Or at least, um, you know, at least it maybe it wouldn't show up as much if you're, you know, if everyone's cobbling together. I think Paddock was going to have the reins off. I think Lamette yeah. was going to have the reins off. Uh, the extra time for for, uh, for Richards, maybe that's good. He looked awful good, you know. Um, it's really it's going to be interesting. It gives Cast- uh, Jose Castillo time to heal. Uh, Frankie Mejia was dealing with a little bit of something in his back, hadn't played for like four days when spring was uh, called. Uh Anybody else that was going to make the team, I don't think so. Like Ronald Bolognius wasn't going to, you know, be right. on the in right. rotation or something. But there are some other guys that will be able to heal, and, and I guess that will be good for them. You know, there's going to be other guys who say, man, my great spring got interrupted, you know. Um, and as a matter of fact, I know how that's how the Padres feel. Well, they feel like they had uh, – uh, we're putting together a nice spring. And as someone who was there every day and saw it, I thought so too. New staff, a new manager – um, I thought there were some new attitudes by some players. Um, that doesn't mean it can't carry over, but I know that they were uh, they were terribly disappointed, uh, not just for you know, all the things uh, that, that go around this, but for the fact that, dang, they felt like it was kind of coming together. Now, look, I bet you 27 other clubs legitimately thought they were, and then two were maybe fooling themselves that they were. I don't know. But, you know, I'm not saying that. You guys are saying that's how the Padres felt, and, and I, I would say there's some legitimacy to that. Well, we were Cassius League champs right there. We were we were leveling eleven and three, I think. Um, but what I did notice, kind of the last few games, that as we were starting to play a lot of the major leaguers a little bit longer, and I know it's a small sample size, but I'm a native San Diegan, so I'm a little PTSD that we were losing those games earlier in the uh, earlier in the they game. They certainly weren't sitting, were they? Right. Um, <laughs> Uh, and, and, you know, I guess some of the relievers did start to get hit um, a little bit. There, it happens in, with the transition, and I can't say I know what certain guys were working on in certain situations. Right. But, man, those spring training stats, as you know. Uh, we only count the good ones. Pitcher's like, all right, throw him here. And he, he throws a pitch that he would never throw in that situation. And he puts it down the middle, and the guy hits a home run. I mean, all three of Will Myers home runs. And, look, I love Will. I'm looking for him. I, you know, that doesn't mean I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm impartial about Will. I write about when he stinks, but look, it's a good story and he's a good guy. And gosh, who would want to just, who wouldn't want Will to succeed? But let's be honest, those three home runs he hit, he ain't seeing those pitches in the major leagues unless that guy's about to be sent down. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. And that's what spring training is for. It's like for hitters, right. you hit those pitches that are mistakes. And <laughs> if, if, if you're hitting 400 in spring training, at least you're hitting the ball when you're supposed to be hitting yeah. the ball. Um, you know, let's go on about what Jake Cronenworth. He, uh, you know, he was throwing bullpens after the day after playing shortstop. So they were seriously, and the talk was that they're really going to see if they can't get this guy at least twenty innings if he was going to make the club. Playing shortstop one night and then hitting the bullpen the next. Was he really? You know, was that the plan for him? Yeah, he had it certainly. Certainly had a chance. Listen, one thing I think was interesting is that. I think that this is any of the last three spring trainings. Jake Cronenworth, we had already had him written in in, in, in pen that Jake Cronenworth was going to be on this team because this team in the last three years was a quadruple A team at best, right? Yeah. 
and and they were developmental. They were made for experiments like Jake Cronenworth. Okay, now I'm not saying that he can't make this team, but it's not a given. And a team that believes it's going to win, Jake Cronenworth needed to make that team by showing that he would contribute to wins. And to be quite honest, he was. I mean, he he, he was playing a really good. Short stuff. Um, he could play. He can play second base. He can play third. He was playing first, uh, at least practicing. I can't remember that he got into a game. Um, but he all four infield positions plus he pitches. And man, I saw one of those guys. I only saw one of his bullpens. Um, it was really good. Uh, and people talked. People talked about uh, his curveball. Uh, you know, like wow, that thing's legit. So that's a real thing. I just don't know that. This team, out of spring training, thought that he was going to be the best option to help them win, given what Greg Garcia could do, what yeah. Brian Dozer could do. Um, I think I talked to a lot of people that I felt it was like Profar or Cronenworth. But, you know, if you got to throw in Ty France, um, you got to can't rule out Luis Torrens. I mean, there was still a lot, like way more. The last two spring trainings, uh, I was like, yeah, I was pretty darn close on my 25-man roster. Uh, this 26-man roster, I thought there were three or four spots where you were like, ah. True battles, right? True know. battles. And here was another thing. We had a new manager with a new coaching staff. And – so it was it was even a little more difficult to sort of get like into you know once you start to cover people for a while you kind of understand how they think a little bit and and hadn't quite got that with uh, with what Jace and Bobby Dickerson Wayne Kirby um, and you know I'll tell you Skip Schumacher had uh, you know, a lot more going on uh, as the associate manager that guy's a future manager it was a whole different dynamic too that played into it plus with a different dynamic I was covering the team. And, and, and I was very much looking forward to the tenor of my coverage being colored by this team has said it will win. Its owners, its general manager has said it, its manager has said it, its players have said it. So now I did not go into the last few seasons going, you know, I should be writing this as if it's some sort of great disappointment that they stink. Right. Because right. that's what we all knew. Like even as I was covering the team last year that was hovering around 500, was above 500, you know, I mean, it was exciting. I was trying to, you know, give that, uh, you know, kind of vibe, the, the, re- the real situation. But part of the real situation was, look, their bullpen is overworked. Their run differential is abysmal. This is likely not going to keep going. Right. Well, this year we're going into it with the idea that this team is expecting to contend. So losses were going to be disappointing. And, and the moves made by the manager needed to be analyzed and everything. And so uh, that was something that you know was going to be different this year. So whatever, you know, you talked about the tenor of the team, the kind of the vibe of the team, that the new training staff, the coaching staff has been really integral in that. You know, your you're Wayne Kirby's, your Dickerson's coming in and really putting these veterans and showing the young guys like this is Major League Baseball. You need to not just rely on old talent and you need to work on the fundamentals. And I think they really embraced that, at least what I read, what I saw and what I felt as a, as a fan that that was the case. Oh, absolutely. I was super impressed, man, because I've seen a lot of times where well, in, in, in life, as well as baseball, where people don't change. And and I, I 
I was impressed by the changes the organization made, and I was impressed by the changes that the coaches brought and the changes that the players were implementing. And I don't know what that meant. I don't know what the fact that I saw Manny digging in and doing what Bobby Dickerson said, and that Eric Hosmer was like a whole different first baseman. And you know, I don't know what that was going to mean to the win total or the success of the team, but I, I guarantee you it was 100% real that yeah. they were doing it. Well, I think it's your tweet that's pinned to your, to your uh, profile, to the Dickerson going, you ain't so pretty, get your face in there. Get your face in there. Yep. <laughs> yep, that's, that's how we coach. That's and, the first and, time and I've heard Eric that. Eric Hosmer's credit, to Manny's credit, um, and obviously Manny knew uh, you know Dickerson and Kirby from before. Uh, but to these guys' credit, because you know, once you look yourself in the mirror uh, about how how hard it is to change, and then ask yourself if you're already making twenty or thirty million dollars to do what you've done. Uh, you know, were you going to show up a week early to camp like like Hosmer did, and be out there longer than anyone like Hosmer was, and actually put the changes into place like Hosmer did with those four gold gloves on the shelf. Yeah. Now, easy for us from afar to go, hey, Eric, it wasn't working. But for Eric to actually do it and decide that, hey, I'm going to come here like a rookie, um, I, I'm super impressed. Yeah. Well, we appreciate the not the, the writing the articles of him. Like, I'm going to try to work on the launch angle. I'm going to try not to kill the worms uh, this season. And just kind of, that's what I'm going to be. I, at the very least with him, you you get the honesty with the bat. Like, I'm not going to change anything. And that's the hardest thing to do is to teach someone to change what's worked for them their whole career. Even if what well, they do is... Go ahead. I, I, there's one thing you're going to say, well, you know, is, is going to be who he is at the plate. And, but he, he decided that he was going to, and he did remember he tried his first year here to change things. He tried every possible launch angle trick that you could do. And it, yeah. it really didn't work out. And up till the last month of the season, he had a pretty good year last year. Um, it, you know, let's try to remember 20 million. Isn't what it used to be guys. All right. I mean, he's not making 30, right? right. Okay, guys, I'm not speaking specifically to you. Um, should Eric have uh, been better the last couple of years? Yes. That's why he showed up to camp in great shape. And he showed up a week early. Um, but you know, I, I, at the risk of ridicule, you know, the guy is pretty darn clutch, and he did have 99 RBIs on a team that just didn't score runs. Um, and, you know, like, he had three singles the other day. They were all ground balls. So what? Stop being upset about it. It's who Eric Hosmer is. And if, you, if you're, you you know, I think, think last year after Tatis, maybe Manny edged him out. And, again, it's a low bar. It's the Padres. But Manny, or Eric Hosmer had either the second or third most multi-hit games uh, on the team. Um, is he streaky? Yes. Uh, he's not. He, he is who he is. I do think that obviously there's better inside of him because he had multiple better years uh, in Kansas City. Yeah. Um, but all I'm saying is he's, he he looked like a guy who was seriously invested in being better. All right, so now that we've got that out of the way, and thank you so much, Kevin. What? So now there's no. What do you do? So do you get paid still? Does that UT still pay you for not writing sports, or are you going to start doing period piece or pieces on like I don't know TV shows, or are they going to put you in? <laughs> are you going to be reading about lawn and gardens? What are you going to do now that there's no sports to write about? Well, one thing is, is I worked every day for the last forty um, plus. So, and then you know. Because I had a you know, the the winter the off season even as busy as the Padres are is the time where you make up your your time. But uh, I would imagine that I'll keep up with the Padres news, uh, MLB news, 
Um, I, I do think that there's some time that I, I, uh, I'm owed off now that that's weird because then the season will start and then it'll be the, I mean, it's just, it's all up in the air, I guess. I, you know, I don't think Lon and Dalton, but I, I, I can't rule out anything. Maybe I'll be going over and, uh, writing about my, uh, my neighbor does the horses and the dressage and maybe I'll go write about some dressage. Right. So what do you do when you're not writing about sports? I know you got the, you got pepper there or, or guy you told me. Hello. Penny. Oh, yeah, yeah. Your penny, penny Chato. Penny. Um, you know what? I've got a lot of land and uh, we do a lot of things around here and uh, it's uh, it's very relaxing. So I, I, I am really bummed. I am really bummed about uh, the season not starting, but I also am a person who decides that I'm going to uh, look on the bright side and the bright side is I, I, I get to be home uh, with my wife and uh, kind of kick back. And that is extremely unusual for me. So I will, uh, I know that at some point, even though right now it doesn't seem like it, I know at some point we'll be back uh, yeah. to the daily grind and which I love. And so I'm going to uh, just, just wait it out. That's all. Well, we'll be grateful that your wife isn't making you watch all the Broadway show tunes that have been made into movies. So with no baseball, my wife's like, we're going to watch West Side Story. And I think we have Bye Bye Birdie on tonight. Um, Maybe you'll like it. <laughs> yeah. Well, we listen to a lot of those songs on the on our drives to spring training games or whatever, whenever we go on our trips. But now I'm having to watch the movies. Um, she's going to make me watch oh. Gone with the Wind. Um, so I'm kind of praying for the end, but at the same time, I do. I enjoy this time with my wife and hanging out with her, and she's great. Um, Kevin, hey, we really appreciate you coming on. Your first time on Friars on the Farm. Um, we appreciate the time and the insight, and uh, we'll be, you know, waiting with bated breath with what happens next. All right, we'll do it again when the season starts. Appreciate it. So we're here with Alex Miniak, the voice of the San Diego Padres announcer. Alex, how you doing? Good. How you guys doing? It's weird. It's no, no, yeah, it is. It's just weird. <laughs> it is. There's no baseball going on right now. It's like we don't know. I I, I feel like I'm 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 Will Myers and uh, Will Ferrell in that race car movie. I don't know what to do with my hands. Yeah. Now, you know, and I, I just came back from Arizona. I was hoping to have a nice long week of spring training. I got to one game and everything got lost from there. And uh, and I come back to a different world here in San Diego. So it's yeah, it's a little strange. So spring training, I hear the broadcasters say it's not just spring training for the guys in the field. It's spring training for us, too. In the PA booth, I'm sure it's the same thing. You've got routines and stuff that you need to get sorted out, right? Uh, sure. At least in my world, spring training is voicing MLB The Show, uh, which, little plug, comes out on March 17th, which is tomorrow or whenever. It could have already happened if you're listening to this podcast at a later date. Uh, um, but uh, yeah, so, you know, I already go through rosters months in advance ahead of time. So, like, a lot of my prep work is my off season. My off season is prep work. It's a little weird. But, um, but yeah, you know, it's. It's. It, I was looking forward to getting back into it and and getting into rehearsals and and, and you know and, and feeling it out again, getting to Petco, cracking the mic, test one two, all that kind of stuff. And you know, it is different from that from that perspective. Yeah, can I get more trouble over here? Can I get more trouble? Hello, syphilis, syphilis. Do you do that kind of like hello, Randy, Randy, Randy? <laughs> or do they? No, not not that bad. Like a rock and roll show. I, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think in my head, I, I think about how I want a particular guy's name to sound. The good thing about being at Petco now going into year seven is I have a good idea how that ballpark sounds, right? And what 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 vocal elements work well with the echoes and, and the nuances of that stadium. So in my head, I'm like, I think this will work in here ahead of time. And then sometimes during a game, I'll just do it and we'll see if it works. And other times I'm I'm doing it, you know, in for the game, a few different takes to see how it feels. They'll take the best one, obviously. But uh, but a lot of that has been kind of worked down in advance. So so do you, do you play around with players names to figure out what uh, emphasis and how to how to make things like interesting or whatever? I try to do it as close to the actual pronunciation as possible, the name, especially if it's a Latin American player, you know, you're dealing with syllables and there's a certain rhythm to the language. So I try to mimic that language, but then try to put a theatrical spin on it at the same time. You know, you know what, what I want is an expectation is that when, when that guy comes to the plate, I want it to sound as grandiose as possible um, and set him up for success and create some excitement for the audience at the same time. So there's a, there's a few different things that go into it. The one I remembered was now nope to bat Alexi. Amarista. Yeah, I liked and and, and you know what? Syllable, syllables are my friend, uh, and, and anytime I get a lot of syllables to work with, uh, amarista is going to be a lot easier than long, you know, or something that's that's a one syllable kind of general name. Um, so yeah, I'm going to have fun with that, and, and I don't ever, you know, I I think I liked. Uh, Alexi is a player who's a fun player. So I tried to inject some fun into the name also. And, and so, I, you know, it's, it's a balance of all of that. So not to put you on the spot, but can you think of, are there any names that, that stood out to you that were like, you saw the name, you're like, Oh my gosh, this is good. I'm going to have fun with this. Yeah. Anything, um, uh, Machado right away, obviously. Uh, cause I, I knew I was going to drag out that Machado, you know, and I wanted to hit that hard on the end. So yeah, the, those kind of names, I knew I was always going to do the junior on Fernando Tatis Jr. Yeah. Because I had experimented a little bit with Melvin Upton Jr. in that same, uh, in that same style. So, um, yeah, there are definitely some names. And then you get, like I said, when you get to some general names, you're like, woof, what am I going to do with that? How, you know, Will Myers can be a pretty common name. What am I going to do with Will Myers to make Will Myers sound special as, as an introduction? So you, you constantly try to think of that kind of stuff. It's not always going to work. And sometimes you're not going to. Brad Hand, a little tough sometimes. Right. Not going to lie. Not a lot to work with. There. But, Robert, you know. But he, he he did the job. He needed no introduction. He got it done. So there you go. So I'm going to foreshadow a little bit. We're going to be speaking to the author of a book titled Hall of Fame, uh, D.B. Firstman. We're going to talk to them um, in a couple of weeks here. And this book is about interesting names in the history of baseball. So it's yep. like a whole encyclopedia. and You flip through it and Van Lingle Mungo, Shigetoshi Hasegawa, <laughs> Tony Suck. I mean, just some, some of the unusual names. So names that come to mind, Jan Gervis Solarte, you got yeah. to, to – have fun with him. I'm sure you would have had a good time with Hiram Boca Chica, some of the, oh, the yeah. Padres history. And and the, there's a lot of great ones in MLB The Show this year because for the first time we've added minor league rosters. So there's going to be a lot of cool names in there that nobody's ever heard that a majority of the population haven't heard yet. Um, and so I'm excited for that. 
And uh, what you were what you were just uh, referring to that book that's about as many names as I read in a given off season in, ter- wow. <laughs> in terms of names for the game. It reads a lot. <laughs> I think you know we also include legends in the game, um, and so there's a lot of history involved. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of names in the game, and I've read quite a bit. It's like picking up the white pages when we used to have those you know, <laughs> phone books. Uh, I guess, right, people tearing those things in half are no longer a thing. My question is, so how much goes into your recording with MLB, uh, the show? Did they do, did you have all the little dot things put around you, and did they have you mic'd up, and then they film you, or did they just have your voice, or can we go into the into the broadcast booth and look at you from, you know, from the, from the show standpoint? It's uh no, I would love to uh, to do the motion capture suit, but um, nobody wants to see me athletically in the game. They just want to hear me speak in the game. So um, uh, actually, it's it's a it's a studio environment. Like any you know, if if you can think of a recording studio that you've seen in a TV or a movie, it's it's a room, and the room has monitors, and you have a script, and there's a microphone, and there's a guy on the other side telling you you know what we're going to be doing today, and so that's kind of what it is. And those guys make some. Inc- incredible magic to turn me reading you know the white pages into something that's as amazing as as the game is um that's where the that's where the magic happens what i do is i just come in and just go down the list and uh while while it's fun i mean those guys they 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 have uh an incredible job putting that together and making it as lifelike as it is well you mentioned the legends it's got to be pretty exciting to be able to call out some of those names now coming up to the plate Ted Williams I mean Yeah I don't know and 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 that actually out of all the names I record for the game that makes me the most nervous because I do not want to mess that up and I'm giving them the same reverence as if they were playing and with us today and that's uh that's a lot. That's a lot of weight on my shoulders. I don't know if anybody else feels that when they play the game, but it's on. It, it is certainly on the top of my head when I when I do the game. You know, when you certainly don't want to get all of Red Sox Nation on your back, or like a Yankees Nation, or or a Cubs Nation for that for that matter. But how that's such a treat to be able to say like now up to the plate, Ernie Banks. You know, and, yeah, and these guys or were Babe you Ruth. Like how do you never have a chance? Do they do? Are there any? Like kind of obscure names that you did that, with the legends that we may not know of or um, that we may have forgotten? Um, there are some names this year that are in there that are that are more recent legends. Okay. So think about the, the the group of players we had when we were growing up, right? Um, and, and I would say I would say there's there are new groups. I, off the top of my head, I can't. I can't. Like a uh, Dave just, Kingman or Willie Stargell or something. Yeah, exactly, something like that. I want to say Dave Kingman's in there, but don't hold me to that. We'll <laughs> find out tomorrow. Uh, I read a lot of names, um, but uh, but yeah. So um, you you get that group in there, and then you then you start thinking like, whoa! I watched these guys as a kid. I had that guy's card. I you know that's when it really starts to hit home. Babe Ruth is Babe Ruth, and obviously. One of the one of the all time greats, um, and, and, but but when you start naming like I grew up a Mets fan, and you know Dave Kingman, okay, all right, yeah. now we're talking. Yeah, here we go. So um, yeah, that's that's something special. So I got to plug my wife. My wife's from New York. She grew up a Mets fan. She grew up in uh, born in Brooklyn, raised in Port Washington, uh, a Mets fan. So I only date in the the National League. I don't date in the American League. So um, you have that to share with her. Um, whenever the Mets do come in town, she will wear a Mets jersey. Um, 
I love her a little bit less that day, but I love her nonetheless. Yeah, okay. <laughs> what wasn't Tom Seaver her guy? Tom Seaver was her guy. I mean, that's her one. That's her celebrity crush, if you want to say it. Um, absolutely. You know, when um, we were there when when the Seven Line Army showed up, we were there when uh, you know when the big sexy hit the home run and she didn't cheer, but I was just crushed. And uh, all our Met fans, friends that came down from LA, and they were like, "Yeah," we're like, "Ah." Uh, yeah, <sighs> kind of rough. Yeah, yeah. I uh, mine is uh, my my mother's side of the family was from White Plains Rye area, um, and I happened to grow up in St. Petersburg where they spring train for quite a bit okay. of time. So um, that's that's how I got the Mets bug. Plus, they were really good in the time that I was a big baseball fan. Right, 85, 86, yeah. 87, 88. Yeah, so yeah, perfect timing. So how does a kid growing up in, in New York uh, wind up pursuing a, a career? Is it fair to call it a career as a, as a public address announcer? Um, well, I grew up, I grew up in Florida as a New York fan. We didn't have any, we didn't have any teams. Um, but I always loved baseball. I always went to the park. Actually, when spring training wrapped up for the year, we had the single A Florida state league Cardinals at the same stadium. So I would go to games year round. I would just love the atmosphere. Um, I wasn't necessarily a great player of baseball, but I enjoyed the theatrics around baseball and what made baseball special, the sights, the sounds, the smells, all that kind of stuff. Um, I went to college for radio, actually, and I spent 12 years in radio, but I dabbled in sports in college, actually, for beer money. I went I went to University of Florida. We had a lot of sports. <laughs> they paid good money. You put in a couple of hours, and you're like, yeah, this isn't bad. And I wish I kind of would have taken it more seriously. I tell people that all the time because it turned out to be my lifeblood and my calling. So um, I, I the, the bug was bit early. It just took me a long time to mature and figure out that's where I should have been the whole time. So you, so, you uh, did, comedians. Go ahead, Donovan. Well, you came from a double A team, right? What was the team you had before you uh, you got the Padres gig? Uh, New Hampshire Fisher Cats. I ah. spent six years there from 08 to 14. Um, and so, yeah, I got to live kind of that minor league, that wacky minor league dream, dream, you know, it was, uh, it was fun times. Um, we had a lot of, of, uh, of, of Blue Jays players come through there, either on rehab assignments or, or um, or coming up in the system. I, I worked a game where, uh, Doug Drabeck's kid, Kyle Drabeck threw a, uh, one hour and 55 minute no hitter on the 4th of July. Uh, oh my God. Yeah. Uh, I worked a combined no hitter in the minor leagues. A combined no hitter is 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 rare enough, but to do one on a minor league level, um, so we had a lot of fun there. And uh, I just knew that I, I really enjoyed it, and I I thought that I was going to get more success doing that and provide more enjoyment to people than I was ever going to do on the radio. Um, and that comes down to business and talent and other things. But but that's kind of how I segued into that. So I've heard stand-up comedians talk about finding their voice. And I know with that, it's more of a personality, kind of a persona that they're presenting. But was it an evolution for you to figure out just what your voice needs to sound like on a microphone? Absolutely. Um, I remember... I remember, you know, first time I was on the radio, I was just kind of talking like I'm talking to you right now. It's, It's kind of flat. It's monotone. I'm not really doing anything special or, or theatrical to, to, to talk to you gentlemen. It would be weird if I talk like this all the time, but, um, I, so, so I had to, I had to kind of find, I was never, it's true, right? So, <laughs> Honey, go get like some milk. Yeah. Um, 
so you know one of the, my one of my first program directors was like you, you got to learn how to enunciate you got to learn how to emphasize you got to learn how how to have a skill that you, to say a lot without saying much at all right and just getting the most for your words and that really hit me and i figured out how to do that for for, for broadcast and getting to a stadium and doing that was some something completely different too because that rhythm is very different um and then that also depends on the type of park you go to like i um, auditioned before the Padres gig. I was a finalist for the Wrigley Field job. I went to Wrigley Field. If you go to my blog, there's actually a sample of audio from that, and I'm very cheery and friendly confiny in that read because that's what I thought was needed for that that ballpark, right? When uh -huh. I went to Boston, it was very flat and very monotone because that's their style at Fenway Park. I, I had filled in at Fenway Park too. That was that's another side story from another for another time. But the uh the the when I got to Petco, I'm like, this is cool. This is this is a blank slate. I I get to figure out what I what I think San Diego expects from its from its team and how it should sound and everything. And so I yeah, if you listen to my first season, I got a lot of uh, of critiques for being very very monotone. Because I was taking what I had learned before and trying to adapt that. Now I think I found like, all right, this is what this is what Petco Park should sound like. Oh, definitely, and that's what I when I mean. Some of the names that you you announce, they're they're not announced the other way in, in other ballparks and during the games and broadcasts. So I think you really have found your voice. Let's go back to. So did you feel like you didn't get those jobs because you had you were trying to do something different than? Then what you thought, you know, you said you were being friendly with the, with the Cubs guys, and, and then you were kind of very monotone with the Boston guys. Um, yeah, but at the same time, you know, you never know. I mean, auditions for these gigs are just as, the same as any audition for any play, movie, or any or or any uh, performance. Um, you know, it's at the end of the day, you think you nailed it, and no, that's not necessarily the, the case a lot of times. Um, you know you can do it. You just may not have gotten it to the to the exact liking of them. Right. So, um, you know, I gave I gave it my all. I thought it sounded good. They wanted something else, and you know what? Both teams have benefited as a result. We all came out in good spots. I love where I'm at. They love what they've got. We're great. <laughs> so it all works out. You know, it's San Diego. Yeah, you really won here. Yeah, yeah. I think I would have. To to be a snowbird if I ended up in Chicago. No way I'm staying there in January, February. So yeah, you're from just, Florida, I, no, I, no skiing. It's not going to happen. No skiing, no <laughs> snowbird. You don't do snow. You don't, like, I'm allergic to snow as a native San Diegan. Yeah. Do well, you surf? I did live. I did live 12 years in New Hampshire, so I had to oh, deal with right. it. It didn't mean I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> but I loved it. The people were great there, and they're just a, just a hearty, fun bunch. And that's what made me want to stay there, not the weather, the people. So is the being a PA announcer, is that your full-time job or do you have a side hustle? I have a side hustle. Yeah. In the, in the off season, I actually own my own business. Um, I do a couple of different things. Uh, one, I do, I do freelance voiceover work. Um, MLB the show is part of that, that freelance voiceover work. I also own a, uh, email and social media marketing agency, um, with a couple of other partners. So we're doing a lot of content driven work, just maybe not without me saying it, I'm writing it or we're recording it or we're, you know, we're editing it or something. And then, um, nice. and then, yeah, so there's, there's always, there's always something going on. Plus any private events who, that come up. Um, I, I do the Vegas conference circuit a lot. I'm like, please welcome to the stage, 
you know, insert CEO here. Um, <laughs> uh, so I do a lot, I do a lot of that too. So, uh, yeah, I, th- I think it's, it's the plates are always spinning. It's the life of an entrepreneur and, and being self-employed and a small business owner. Um, baseball is the most consistent because it lasts the, the longest amount of time, but man, plates are always spinning, always spinning. Well, I'm a big book on tape guy. So I, when I do my books, I, I, you know, I get the app, I got audible. Have you done any books? No, I've not done any books. I think books would be a unique challenge for me because it's a different kind of presentation, right? Yeah. I wouldn't be able to to do the Petco Park voice for an entire novel. I think you would not like that. Right. <laughs> so uh, that would be that would be the most bombastic book of all time. Um, so it would, you know, I would I would almost have to to train myself to 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 deliver in a way that's. Um, with a lot of feeling, but not with a lot of pizzazz hmm. or, or pomp and circumstance, you know? Um, so that would be an interesting challenge. I would be up for it, but that would be something completely new. Interesting. So now that there's no baseball uh, and the conference circuit is obviously dead, do um, what do you do now that you have no time? Do you have a wife, kids, are you homeschooling them? Or? Uh, no, I, I'm, I've single with a wonderful girlfriend um we're hoping to uh stay in and cook more and just take advantage of some things we haven't watched and whatever you know i what do we do it keeps changing by the day last <laughs> week i was in spring training hoping to see a game worrying about rain not not losing two or three months of a season you know so uh i don't i don't know i guess i'm talking to you guys this yeah. is cool this came up this afternoon i know, know? right so, i was like yeah, hey yeah. what about this and you're like come on the show um, what yeah. shows do you watch? What shows do you guys watch? Uh, I love Better Call Saul. Okay. Um, that's that's in. I'm about ready to start the next season of Ozark. Uh, that's that's one of my faves. Um, I love any. Uh, I I love a lot of cooking shows. Uh, I watch Chef Show on Netflix. Okay. Uh, that's got a new season out right now. Um, so I'd, I'd like to, I, I enjoy scripted drama, but I like to learn a lot when I watch or read. So a lot of my stuff is, is, is nonfiction based or it's how to, or, you know, something like, like that. Yeah, learn to, this old house on PBS. Anything. I love the home improvement shows and she does too. That's an easy watch right there. See now, just flip, on, just flip on DIY. We're, we're done. We're good. <laughs> flip this house or like yep, international house buyers or. Yeah. Uh, I'm in food service, so people always ask me, you know, you're a manager, you're a chef. Why do you love watching cooking shows? I can't watch cooking shows. Like, if I wanted to yeah. yell that, I'll just go to work. Um, now my boss doesn't really yell at me, but um, if you've got a chance. No, that reminds me. I, my, my, my father was was, uh, was a restaurant guy when I was a young kid, and he used to tell me the horror stories. And so these just reinforced some of these horror stories. But I love the industry and I love the people in it. And a lot of them are very similar to people who work in entertainment and sports. So we're, we're very close vibe-wise. So that's why I enjoy them. Well, fantastic, Alex. Hey, we really appreciate you coming on. Um, you plug- I, have, I, have one, I have one last question. Okay. Roy, have, you ever been, have you ever been corrected by somebody about a pronunciation after you've like, been saying their name for a while? Um, yeah, uh, there have been some PR departments, which will rename, remain nameless that have told me to pronounce it one way, uh, um, not our own, uh, but, 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 uh, have then corrected me later. And I've been like, well, you told me it was this way, not, but you, you know, the good thing about it is now I get an inside track doing the game and now having the, the minor league rosters in the game, I'll know one way or the other very early if that, if that's uh, correct or incorrect. So yeah, I've been, I've been corrected. 
it. It's the worst after you after you do it for a couple of years, and they told you you're doing it wrong, and it's like, well, you could have said something you know. before. Yeah, yeah, long time. <laughs> well, yeah. so did you did you get to name? Did you get to pronounce a bunch of the names in the Padres minor league system this year? Were you paying attention to who's on what team? Yeah, um, so double A rosters and triple A rosters are in the game this year. So a lot of the guys you've been hearing about are going to be in the game, which is exciting because if you do a, a, a franchise mode, which is what I usually play, um, you can grow those guys in your system, and you can you can be uh, you know you can be the trader if you want to and send them off for 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 different prospects or bigger talent. Um, I love that aspect of the game. Um, so yeah, and ho- you never know. Like how I say it now, when they're a minor leaguer, might be completely different when they get here. We'll see. Uh, but I, I kind of just thought about like how would this sound at Petco Park when I when I when I do it. So we'll see. It's a it's an evolution. How many yeah. times yeah, did you have true. to say Nick Margabichus before you said it correctly? <laughs> oh, I I literally wrote out Margabichus every time on the page because if I looked at it, it was not going to come out. No. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of times. If somebody feeds something to me in my headset like that, it's a lot easier than looking down at it. Right. Somebody, right. if you say Margavichis in my earpiece, I'm going to say Margavichis, you know, without even thinking about it. But yeah, it's hard if you just try to glance at it. Well, fantastic. Hey, we we really enjoy you coming on. Um, it was so random that you know we we met up on on Twitter. Um, thank you so much, Alex. We we're going to wave to you when we're at the games. Uh, I know yeah. Roy, Roy and Angela way out there by the bullpen. They're. Uh, they're I see there. him. I got my binocs. It's not creepy at all. Do you? Oh, don't worry. <laughs> well, and we got every Monday game. We're four rows behind the dugout every Monday night. Um, we'll shoot you a text, shoot you a, a, a tweet, and say hello. Yeah, hit me up. So cool. All right, guys. Well, I look forward to seeing you as soon as I can. If not, at least we got this internet. You know, we're good. Thanks, Alex. All right, thank you so much. All right, guys. Take care, man. Well, that was cool. Yo, is this the first episode where we've had two guests? Yeah, double double the guests. It's it's the it's the quarantine episode. <laughs> People just yeah. want to come and talk about baseball. You know, if they can't do their jobs, they'll at least come and talk to it about it uh, with us. And that that was kind of cool. Everybody's got a little bit of cabin fever already, even though it's only been a few days. Yeah, you know, I I had tried to have so many other people come on. And um, yeah, I could have got more, but it's like we have two guys, you know. And I grabbed Alex later, uh, you know, later in the afternoon, and um, he decided to come on. And I'm that's so cool because like whoever has their you know their PA announcer on on a podcast, and he was super cool, and that was real interesting. Well, the the PA announcer is somebody that kind of blends into the background. It's almost right. like they're part of the of the setting of <clears throat> Petco Park. But it's interesting to hear to hear Alex's story, where he came from, what he puts into his job, what makes him good at what he does. I, I appreciate that kind of stuff. Well, and it, it, we talked about it. He's he has a passion for his job. He wants to do it right. And you know, it, it was really interesting to find out that occasionally he does it wrong. And for years, and then they're like, "Hey, it's Arenado, not Arenado." Or you know, the the organizations come and tell him to do it correctly and. You kind of like, well, that's well. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I would. I want to hear who it was that he was talking about that had him say it a certain way for so long, and then the player was like, "It's actually that." Right. <laughs> but- 
he wasn't going to spill the beans on that one. That's fine. Absolutely. So we, you guys are going to get an hour and a half of uh, pretty good content of Kevin AC and then a good 15 minutes of Alex Miniak uh, talking about his job. Um, you can reach me on Twitter at SD Donovan. I'm at Zippy underscore TMS. Till, uh, till this uh, quarantine business is over, we will talk to you next week. 